Welcome to Foozled It, the podcast all about owning things that mess up and not worrying about blunders. We're your hosts, Rebecca Porter and Sally Gordon. So I I have a foozle, but I also want to share a um, a win that I had this week that I'm very proud of myself for because it took Amazing. two days to do. It's <laughs> <Just> like <laughs> a day and twelve hours longer than it really should. <laughs> what did you do? What did you do? I set up my printer. Oh my god. It's like a, like a 90s, I mean, just the thought of you having a printer. I know. Make the most adulty adult I know. I know, like well. Access to my own printer, it still makes me think like, wow. <laughs> right, I'm adulting hardcore. Um, so my, my company gave us, my company's really good, and they gave us like work from home money so we could like set up our office at home. This is, again, this, these are the joys of working in tech, boys and girls. I recommend working in tech primarily for the benefits and the ability to wear whatever it is that you want to wear all the time. Um, but yes, yeah, so I have this printer because I've noticed there's like things that I want to print off that I can't. Not many, but enough. Well, this and is the time of year, because this will be the time of year where I would normally be rinsing the printers at work for my non-work related things. Craft projects, Christmas cards, you know, this, that and the other. Um, so I am missing, I am missing access to a printer. It's good to yeah. know that you will be emailing me some stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, definitely like send it over and I can print stuff off for you. Now that I've set it up, what? literally started this yesterday, failed. But today, not only did it connect, but I also changed some ink cartridges. This is a really telling question. What was your test document? What exciting thing did you send to print to see if it was working? Oh, yeah. So, so this will just show how much like I am not a fun person in real life. It just has a test document that it does. <laughs> so it's like, do you want to test your printer? And I was like, go on. Why not? <laughs> Whereas I'd be like a coloring page from London Zoo. Yeah, send that baby to print and let's see if we're cooking with gas here. <laughs> see, and this is why you are a hilarious improv comic and I work in tech. <laughs> Well, I'm super glad you got it up and running. That's very exciting. Well, it's really weird because I was trying to think of a foozle before today's show and I was going into the archive and by archive, I mean my mind. And um, I was trying to think of like some of the most ridiculous things that happened to me in my lifetime. And one of them is a stationary related time to offload this so this was a foozle that ended up with me printing a very inappropriate for work picture of myself and getting it stuck in a laminator when um, you say work inappropriate is this like naked charlotte like what are we talking about it's worse than that so i understand naked nudie pics would be bad no 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 this was a picture fully dressed of me as a child with the beak of a duck superimposed onto my own mouth to make it appear that I was in fact a sort of hybrid duck human child. Um, So it was my very first proper adult job. Um, I worked for an educational charity. I got an internship. They didn't pay me anything. Thanks very much. Um, Got an internship and there was loads of people on the internship and I made really, really good friends with this girl to the point where I was still living at home. She came over to my house. And 
I know. Even though my parents are briefed on never using my nickname in the home, sometimes my dad, God bless him, forgets. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, she was around for dinner and my dad just like shouts from the other room like, um, is the duck ready to come for dinner? Because my nickname at home is the duck. Um, I don't know why. They don't remember why. It's not even like duck. It's specifically the duck. So like in my, I love that it's, yeah, I love that it's got that gravitas of like, it's not just like, hey there, hey pet, it's like you are a per, like it's a thing. It's important. If you want a duck, I am the duck. So, so this was really hilarious. She thought it was really funny. I was really embarrassed. Um, but that was it. She knew I was the duck. Cut to like a few months later into the internship and she um, was having a really bad day. And I used to lend her books because she loved reading. I had loads of books in my parents' house. So I'd lend her books. We made this joke about me making her a duck library card. Um, and then a little bit of time into the internship, she was feeling really blue. So I decided I would make her a duck library card. So I brought in a picture of myself, aged five, dressed up like a dickhead because my mum used to dress me in really ridiculous, like, like frilly clothes as a child. I look like a Victorian child. Then I superimposed a duck's beak onto it. I then put it onto a formal looking library card. But then I was like, the only thing that adds gravitas to this will be if I put it in the laminator. Yeah. Um, and I was still at the phase of life where a laminator was very exciting. I mean, I still am. I think. I mean, I, I was going to say, I never actually got to laminate anything as a child, which maybe tells you a bit about like what kind of child I was. That oh, like, no, that I never, not I didn't, allowed. I didn't touch one until I was 21. Um, working mm. in this, and then I was like, what the fuck can I laminate? I was laminating. <laughs> all of it. All of it. So in the middle of a training day... Um, I went into my office and I printed off very, very carefully and quietly in the middle of some resources. I printed off a picture of me as a duck. Um, and then I went to put it in the, um, in the laminator really, really quickly before we went back off to our training. And I was being really, really quick that I forgot to take the back end off the laminator. So me as a child with a duck beak disappeared into the laminator and did not reappear out the other side of the laminator because I hadn't taken the back off. So it got stuck in the fucking laminator. And then it was like, Charlotte, the training is starting. You have to come to the training. So I had to leave my office with like my boss and all the other people who weren't an intern and were actually paid to work there and go and sit through a three hour training, panicking that somebody was going to try and laminate something. They wouldn't be able to, they would take the laminator apart and they would find a crunched up picture of me as a child with a duck's beak. Um, It was one of the most stressful experiences of my life. Luckily, I came out, no one had to use the laminator. And I think in the end, I took the laminator home. I think I snuck it into my bag and took it home and took a knife to it so I could get the picture out. <laughs> I love that. I love that it starts as a really sweet, like I'm trying to do something nice. And I'm like, oops, it got stuck and turns into like grand theft laminator. It was, it was, yeah, it was, um, it was one of the most stressful, I would say probably one of the most stressful experiences of my life. Um, so, yeah. But uh, luckily, no one found out. I brought it back the next day, um, and my secret is safe. I can, I can like almost feel how stressful that would have been. This week's guest has appeared on the CBC, MTV, and YTV. You may have seen her in Just for Laughs Northwest, Laugh Fest, or the San Francisco Comedy Festival. As if that's not enough. She's half of the dynamic drag improv rock musical comedy duo, Overdude. Welcome to the show, Alvin. Yeah. 
Yeah, if this is captioned, make sure it says snaps aggressively into microphone. <laughs> I love the grimace face as well. Yeah. Like yeah. it's not, it's not working. Yeah, look at this vein. I'm really trying hard. Snap <laughs> <laughs> has really come from within and has worked its way out through the whole. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell you are part of like a musical duo with that. Like I can feel your emotion as you're getting into it. Um, how did you decide that drag improv rock music comedy is um, worthwhile pursuing? I've, I've always played guitar as a hobby and piano. I'm, I'm like an, an amateur musician. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I do a lot of music and uh, there was a show where a buddy of mine, another improv comic was, he had to, he was partnered up with somebody to do some musical improv. And he was like, they bailed on me last second. I have nothing to go on. And I brought my guitar. I was like, do you want to just jam and see what happens? And it was magical. It was awesome. We had people like singing along. It was just, it was one of those, uh, it all just came together in one show. So we decided to keep going with it. I love it. That's the thing with, I think with musical improv more than any other improv, like if you get the audience on side, it is like insane. Like it is like watching the birth of something. Like if you get people singing back a chorus when you just made up that chorus on the spot, it is like mind blowing. So I can imagine completely hooked on it. It's transcendent. It just feels, you just feel this synergy with everybody. It's beautiful. 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 Yeah. Especially. And, and I mean, I don't know if you've heard this saying before that all comedians want to be rock stars and all rock stars want to be comedians. I get to, I get to indulge that fantasy for a single show at a time, just pretending like I'm a rock star, even though I'm the furthest thing from. Oh my God. I'm off the stage with like, I don't know, just like buzzing and also just like, I can take on the world. I can have anyone I want. I can be anyone I want. I'm just like, yeah. I think I think Rockstar though is is just like an attitude. So I wouldn't say you're the furthest thing from a rock star. I think like fuck it. Yeah, you are a rock star. Why not? I agree. You know what? Fuck yeah. Am yeah. I like swearing? I, yeah. I forgot. Oh yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Well, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really love a musical improv. Um and I'm just kind of like trying to make some inroads into it, but the, the, my main instrument at the moment is a ukulele and I feel like I'm not probably going to come off stage with that like fuck yeah I'm a rock star when I'm there like singing a little song with my little <laughs> I think that could be a hilarious intro of like coming on like super rock star gangster like studded leather jacket and yeah. stuff and then like uh, yeah. without a ukulele and like somewhere over the rain yeah, <laughs> yeah. you sell it isn't it it's the way this, this way you sell it it's not what you've got it's the way you package it so maybe yeah Exactly. Just do some like growl metal uh, while you're playing the ukulele. Like, it's great. We just found you a new brand. I know. I know. This is, it's like a kind of mentoring session. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to come away from this and be like, okay, Alval told me to do this and this. <laughs> and how have you been spending your lockdown? What are your, uh, what are your lockdown saviors? What have you been doing? Uh, a lot of video games, <laughs> a lot of video games. Uh, like I said, I play a lot of music. I'm trying to learn how to uh, be a, like produce music, you know, engineer it on a computer program because I've always been so unattached and rudimentary and juvenile 
that I never record anything. I just improvise it. I I'm just a jam session musician, I guess right. you can call it. So I'm finally like putting songs down finally and writing them out and stuff. So that's kind of been my hobby nice. yeah. and yoga. I'm doing yoga. Beautiful. Is this, I imagine is this in a jazzy pose, but writing lyrics at the same time and like combining the two. Yeah. 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 That's how I achieve Nirvana. <laughs> yoga is, is new to me. And, and, and especially like I've, I've got arthritic hips and knees from all my years playing soccer and like tearing my legs apart or sorry, football. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I did wonder what I thank you for the time. Yeah. So confusing. What is it? What is it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it always, you know what? It always makes me a little annoyed saying soccer because I totally agree with mm. the rest of the world that it needs to be called football. football. It, it mostly yeah. annoys me. American football is called football because, yeah. and I know everyone has argued this, but I just want to reiterate the point that you hold the ball in your hands. It's not a kicking. I mean, you do kick, but like once in a while, it's not really a kicking sport. Yeah. Only two guys, only two positions are allowed kicking it in that sport. And everybody makes fun of them. Like they're irrelevant to everyone. (laughs) Not fair. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Agreed. Anyways, my point is my arthritic hips and knees. When I do yoga, the the yogi on YouTube is always like, and you should feel like downward dog. She'll be like, and this is a position of rest. You should feel relaxed. And meanwhile, I'm like shaking, trying to keep it together. Like, I don't feel relaxed at all. (laughs) I always think I much prefer doing yoga with someone who's like in a similar position to me because I find people really irritating They're like just you're going to move your hand and move and it's like they move it in one fluid motion and I'm like juddering my hand like I've got the kind of alcohol shakes like trying to find space yeah. on the map <laughs> so I definitely yeah it is it is it's very different I think um mm. you're like watching it and actually doing it do you I, think it's doing good for your arthritic hips and, and wrists and things is it I haven't noticed the difference <laughs> how long have you been doing it for is this like I started this week or have you been doing it for like months and it's still no good? I was doing it intermittently, like two times a week, starting in like March. Okay. But I'm, I've embarked on a 30 day challenge. So I'm, I'm halfway through. I'm like 15 in. Wow. Like every day. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'll skip one or two days if I'm hungover. I mean, yoga when is I not- say every day, it's not actually like, let's be real. No one can do anything every day. Yeah, exactly. Like even getting out of bed is a bit of a push sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Some days you just got to spend all day in bed. That's a yoga position. Lay. It is. Yeah. It yeah. Is. It's Lay. one of my favorites. Corpse, they call it. It's <laughs> <laughs> name you know I'm up for doing it but I also really love something this is like we can finally lift the lid on yoga like you've been doing it for the whole of the lockdown you've been doing it you know regularly and you don't feel any better it's a scam guys it, we had to someone had to say it and I didn't think that this would be the platform under which that happened but we're gonna put it out there into the world it's a scam it's just I, it's, I have to jump in here I'm I'm more inclined to uh side with Charlotte on this I believe that yoga is a conspiracy uh <laughs> built by Lululemon to push yeah. shorts and squirts and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Big Lululemon is 
responsible for, for this yoga craze. That's fair. All the conspiracy, you're so right. And it's like, you've got big business involved with the leggings people. You've yeah. got the internet people involved. Adrian is obviously, you know, a big, you know, one of the big main culprits behind it all. Um, and, you know, one day they will get their comeuppance. Will it be today? Maybe not. Will this podcast make waves? Maybe, but we can only hope. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to, if I'm going to let this go out in the podcast because obviously I'm pro yoga. So now <laughs> we are at an impasse. Oh no. <laughs> I'm going to make a poster and put it in my window that just says yoga is a con. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, I'll check up on you like a week later to see if you're still alive or if Lululemon came for you. Oh my God. Yeah, exactly. I'll just be like, you know, you'll just, someone will find me and I'll just be just surrounded by leggings and yeah. You'll be like hung, yeah. hung by like leggings with yeah. like, yeah. yeah. Sound of a downward dog. It's <laughs> yeah. like not breathing. <laughs> um, I'm really glad we've we've uh, we've read. And how about like is because your whereabouts in Canada? Like whereabouts are you? Toronto. Nice. Yeah. Accent. Toronto. Oh, I love it. Toronto. If you if you want to pronounce the hard T, us locals oh. don't pronounce the second T. Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. And um, and what is like in terms of like the comedy scene or the improv scene? Is that like starting up again? Is it still in kind of what's kind of happening with that at the moment? Well, the way our city has been going, uh, everything locked down through the summer and then reopened like through August through September. And then a, a second wave just crushed us. So everything locked down again. So everything's closed, yeah. unfortunately. But those two months were pretty sweet. And I mean, for those two months, they, they had all these restrictions on indoor shows. Mm. So it was really cool to see how adaptable the community was and how many it was, it was a nice summer. We had a nice summer. So how many like outdoor patio shows were happening? It was just, it was a cool, tiny, short-lived experience. Yeah. And it's so, and I think it's like, I think improv especially is like, it is so adaptable. Cause I think like we had the, quite a similar thing here in the UK where it was like, everything was stopped. And then we had that kind of mini grace period where all the performers were just so freaking glad to be like doing some improv and any audiences that came were like so glad to be just be away from their spouse and out of the husband, like out of the house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was so lovely because like, we had really small audiences inside and stuff. And we kind of worried that that would feel really strange, but actually it was just such a buzz and it was so lovely and it was really nice to just be able to do it again. So yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah it's you kind of, did you, did you really, do you miss it? Did you miss it a lot in that first lockdown period? I, I didn't, I didn't. I was starting to get into this headspace where it was stressing me out more than I was enjoying it because I'm not going to lie. I had like a breakout year. I had a breakthrough year. I've been doing comedy for 14 years and it never, I never really got any sort of credits. All the credits that I listed to you guys, I got basically this year. So, yeah. so I was having a great year. And while on the one hand, you know, I feel super grateful and excited on the other hand, I, I learned a lot about how I deal with that sort of success and that sort of pressure. And it was kind of getting to me. So I was grateful on some level for the break because I was, I was starting to put a really unhealthy amount of pressure on myself. Mm. And you got to do yoga. So like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yoga wasn't making it any better. It's such a like, like, I just think that's must be such a like unusual circumstance for like to have your breakout year and then be forced in the middle of that breakout year to retreat from the, the star starlight. Um, but like probably quite interesting because like, 
yeah, like getting all of that pressure in and having all of that attention on yourself and like figuring out how you deal with that and how that impacts the rest of your life to actually have a bit of time to be like, okay, well, I have to stop that for a bit. And it's not my idea, but you know, the government has said I can't do it anymore. Um, And it must be quite good then because you'll maybe like have a better set of like coping mechanisms for when you get Mm. back out into the starlight post, uh, post lockdown. Yeah, I, I hope so. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I do drink more than I want, than I should. Yeah. Um, I think that's However, common. yeah, I hope to think so. <laughs> I've heard this. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, this whole experience when, when you are isolated, uh, if you take the opportunity to really, uh, introspect, if you, if you really reflect on your coping mechanisms, it did give me an opportunity to mm. sit back and actually listen to my inner voice and be like, why am I reacting this way? What, mm what, what triggers, what, what, how do I, how do I work past this? What can I do to, what can I practice? So I don't have meltdowns anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I've spoken to a few people who've said the same thing of like, if you've been able to use this period to like, really think about yourself. And I think for me, definitely, it's given a good opportunity to be like, okay, what what do I actually need? Because so much has been taken away to be like, okay, what do I need? What do I not need? If I'm unhappy, it's clearly all me or my partner, mm-hmm. like like something to do with me. So like I do to to sort of fix that. So in some ways, I'm not saying that like, yay, coronavirus, but like in some ways, I think it has been like a healthy period to to have that sort of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Way to, way to bring it's, the mood but, down. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, to, to bring it back up again, um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw that. I guess it was a, like a viral treat, tweet or something that it was like, if you don't come out of this quarantine with a new skill, uh, if you haven't read a book, it was a list of all these accomplishments. It was yeah, like, it if you never accomplished yeah, you never lacked the time, you lacked the discipline was the line. Yeah. And I like, that's the thing. I'm sure I'm not alone in that. I respond to guilt and shame really debilitatingly. <laughs> like I saw that tweet and I was like, oh, I, I'm a shitty person, I guess. <laughs> I made guacamole twice in three months. Is that, does that count? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Okay. Um, the first one that comes to mind, I was probably three years in, I was in university and, uh, I went to university in a city called London in London, Ontario in Canada. My brother lives not, there. Okay. Not nearly as cool as the real, the real London. <laughs> the one where they speak like this. Cool to me. Like another London that's not London that's far away. It's very cool. Okay. Well, all right. Depending on who you are or where you are, I was in, I was in a London. Um, and, uh, Jeff Dunham was in town headlining at our, at our hockey stadium there. (laughs) And, um, I don't know how, but I ended up in this small group of local comedians who, uh, who were part of this package deal for a bunch of VIP people who were going to see the Jeff Dunham show and it was attached to this nightclub. So what they paid for was this pre-show nightclub experience at a bar nearby. And then they would drink, whatever, hang out. We would be the pre-show. And then they would go off to Jeff Dunham. But the way this bar was set up, 
the way this, it was a club with like 19 rooms all separately everywhere. And they gave us a roaming wireless mic and we're like, yeah, you're on the PA, just wander around from room to room. And the sound will, will blare across this entire club. So, and I'm three years in, so I suck. And I haven't even, I don't even know how to do crowd work yet. So I'm like walking. So, so people are hearing a voice for 15 minutes. Just be like, Hey, so what's your name? No response. Oh, Jerry, huh? Like, like Tom and Jerry, like the cartoon, just terrible crowd work. This is amazing. People are hearing this in their little rooms while they're sipping cocktails. And oh then, you know, God. I'll trudge into their room and be like, what about you guys? They'll be like, you're the fucking yes. voice. Oh my God. This is amazing. Yeah. It was a disaster. It was a nightmare. Oh just my God. Walking from room to room and bombing in every room. <laughs> and leaving and then bombing in a new room. It's like a little nature trail. Oh, but yeah. yeah. And it's like omnipresent voice of God, like coming over the loudspeakers of you doing some like very intimate one to one audience work with like what I'm imagining are like businessmen smoking cigars and having like champagne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was so intrusive. <laughs> People, you know, just the sight of me, especially if I remember revisiting a room I'd already been in and, and they thought they were through with me. So when I showed up in their doorway, they were like, fucking come on. <laughs> Go away. Oh this is, I've never heard anyone do like, I've never heard anyone be in a show that has that set up. And I just think it is insane, but also fantastic. Yeah. At the time, it's one of those things where at the time it was excruciating, but it is so funny thinking back. Yeah. And just uh, what a great thing to have as well of just like, because if you're, you know, you're in front, you've got your little audience, you're in your lane, you do your crowd work with a couple of people in the front row, you've done that section of the show, you can get onto your material, everyone lives another day. But in this, you've got mini audiences all over you. I just think it's fantastic. And yeah. I would love to fly on the wall. I love the idea that like the event planners were like, yeah, these people who paid extra for this comedy show are going to feel like they got their money's worth by having amateurs who normally yeah. probably play to student crowds who are normally super drunk on cheap beer um, just like wander around a club for them. I just think, yeah. And I'm also imagining it kind of like a Jennifer Lopez hustlers situation where it's kind of like a gaudy nightclub and they're giving you like dollars and chips for the casino. Like it's just, I just think, wow. Yeah. There were no, there were no tips or, or anything. It was a, a fancy. There may, there may have been tips for other people. You may not yeah. have experienced that part of the evening. <laughs> yeah, if there were tips, I didn't know about them. <laughs> what a great like, learning opportunity if you're like quite early in your career of just being like, if you can cope with that situation, like next time you're back in your comfort zone, it's like, oh, I can do this. This is yeah. easy. Big time, for sure. Oh yeah. Amazing. So that's one bomb. I can keep going. If, oh yeah, if let's do more. one more. Yeah, let's get another one. One more? Okay. Uh, I have a short shorter one. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll do, uh, there was one, uh, I did a show before I came out about my gender shit when I was, you know, a full-time guy, I, I, I was a real broy dude, you know, like a real Chad, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, 
and <laughs> yeah, arm like Mountain Dew, and I would literally wear armbands, like the sweatbands that <gasps> tennis players wear. Oh I wouldn't. I wasn't even like working out. I would go on stage with a cool armband because I thought it was sick, dude. I love it. I was the guy with the armbands. The guy with the armband. Yeah. So, um, so naturally, I got hired to perform at a women's appreciation night at some at a at a legion at a legion in a small town, and it was some. It was a yearly event where all the male workers at this legion would serve these women dinner and they'd get treated to a show. And I, and I was the host. And at that point, like, I wasn't, I wasn't offensive to women, but I just wasn't the right fit. I just, I like, I was poorly cast in this role. So I finished my bro Hey, what's up with Mountain Dew Code Red, you guys? You ever see those? How sick are they? I think I finished my... Lads, lads, lads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I finished my set. And even though like some of the ladies in the front, especially the younger ones like me because I'm, I'm cute and whatever that they remind me of my son. (laughs) I'll, I'll go. I sat at the back and there was this old lady who fuming, like she just had that aura, this black cloud above her head. She likes, she's stomping past me towards the washroom. And I see her look up and glance and like recognize me for a sec. And then she gets kind of right beside me. And I see in the corner of my eye, I see she stops, thinks twice about something, and then steps in front of me and goes, bad, bad, you're bad. <laughs> and, then, and then she walks off to the washroom. She just could not, she could not keep it to herself. She was like, I have to say something. And then turned around she and came back. Put it in a sentence. She just, she could just get the words bad out. <laughs> yeah. What did you say or how did you react? Did you just let her go? I laughed in her face because I just thought it was the funniest thing. Like so much of that, everything, the setup, the fact that she said, I'm sorry, you're bad in the meanest way. Like that was so Canadian to be like, I'm sorry, but I fucking hate you, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love that. Like a shit sandwich. I'm sorry, but I fucking hate you. I'm sorry. I'm going to the bathroom. (laughs) Yeah. I I love that it's like, like I'm imagining that she had to like, like prepare herself to do this. Like she stands up next to you. She <laughs> yeah. looks at you. She like girds her loins. She was like, I can't let that pass. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I have to say something. And the yeah. only thing she can get out from all that, like, ah, is bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Words escaped her. She was so, she was Nothing bursting else. with anger. I'm imagining that she was like sitting beside her her pal Barbara or like Luan or whatever, and she's like, "If I if I see that young man, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say something." And her friend's like, "Oh, just leave it. Just leave it. No, I'm gonna say something." And then she like saw you, and she was like, "I am gonna say something." And then yeah. all, that was bad, bad, bad. Oh. And that was it. That was yeah. everything she could do. I thought it was so funny. Beautiful. I also I love that the response was just laughter. Yeah, I couldn't help it. It's like the dudest thing to do, too. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I'm sure it just made her even more upset. (laughs) She was like, and he laughed at me. He laughed in my face. He wasn't sorry at all. I was just trying to help him. (laughs) Yeah. No, no. I wonder if she still thinks about me. I'm sure she does. I'm so sure. She's probably on a podcast right now. Talking about Mm-hmm. Like worked up the courage to say something, and all I got was a laugh. <laughs> yeah, 
you may have ruined her like like it's her one thing she never said anything to anyone and then she really like steeled herself for this event said something to you you laughed at her and she was like well that's the response i get i can never tell people my real feelings again yeah yeah wow well, now I feel bad, Rebecca. Okay, thanks. it's okay. We're gonna fake. We're gonna bring you back. That's how we work. We bring you down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back up. She's in the waiting room of the Zoom, so we're gonna bring her in 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 a few seconds. So oh my god! <laughs> we've tracked her down. Surprise, surprise! She's with us tonight. <laughs> and, and, and Al, if you could speak to, if you could speak directly to her now, you know, now that you know you're you're not that same laddie dude. What what would you what would you say? I've gotten better. <laughs> That's what I would say. That's all I would say. <laughs> Listen to my show on BBC Gem. I'm better than that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm that sorry. I've gotten better. Well, oh, should, we, should we bring you back up and assign blame for your terrible foozles? Whose fault is it anyway? Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to start with the first show? Yeah. So that club show, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to assign blame to everything but myself. (laughs) (laughs) Considering the circumstances. (laughs) Yeah, it was a nightmare gig. So I will blame, first I'm going to blame Jeff Dunham. I think, I think he, yeah. Yeah. Jeff Dunham should never have come to London, Ontario. (laughs) He had no business being there. He and his puppets. Uh, uh, next, next, I'm going to blame. I I need to blame whoever thought this was a good idea. Or if they didn't think it was a good idea, they knew it was a shitty one. But they knew that people would pay for it, and he or she could make a whole a whole bunch of money off. Of it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to blame that person. <laughs> I'm going to blame. Okay, let's throw a wild card in there. Let's yeah. throw a fucking wild card in yeah. here. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm gonna blame youth in general. I mean, they're, they're usually at fault. They're always to blame. Yeah. Yeah. With their good skin and their peppy way of life. Tell us, tell us why they are particularly to blame in this situation. Uh they are naive and overly ambitious. Yeah. They are the type of impervious, invincible idiots. To yeah. be like, what could possibly go wrong? I'm going to crush this. Every room that I walk in is going to bow and applaud when they see my beautiful face and my armband. They're going to love me. What could possibly go wrong. I so I'm going to blame arm. youth. <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> me and my armbands. Really, really. The, um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really, really good thing to blame. Um, just that, that, that thing of like, I can walk around this club venue and just, you know, pop into a room and do some comedy with people who are in another room who will be expecting me hearing the comedy and then go in and maybe do similar comedy to them wearing an armband and everything. This is only going to be positivity for me. Exactly. Only youth can explain the idea that I, in my head, that would be like, Oh, I, I bet the people listening who haven't seen me yet, I bet they're going to be so stoked when I show up in, in the room. <laughs> like, I can't wait for this guy to show up. Where is he? Where is he? <laughs> yeah. You down, like trying to find the feedback from the microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is beautiful. I think I would like to blame for that particular show, the public address system, like PAs in general. Mm. 
I think 90% of anything that comes over a PA is probably bad. Like cults use them to like get people to, you know, drink weird Kool-Aid. Train stations use them to tell you that your train has been delayed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think the public, I, I don't know if we were made for public address. I think we'd need to be just having one-on-one conversations and maybe the world wouldn't be such a mess if we weren't able to speak to numerous people in one in one go. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to put, put the blame at the, the, just the state of public address of there being a PA system in which you could go out across the entire club, like a cool department store or something. So I'm going to blame PA systems for that one. I think oh, that's you're, a really good point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you see in a lot of dystopian novels and movies that things get transmitted over PA as well. So yeah. yeah. Um, I am going to blame university towns. So <clears throat> This is, it's not so much a thing in the UK, I don't think, but in, in Canada. Um, so I'm originally from Canada and we have like a ton of university towns that are just like these tiny towns that mostly have old people in universities. Um, and because they've got old people, they have like people with some money who want to do interesting and exciting cultural activities. And then because they've got universities, the people who go to the universities think that they're very creative and again, like very cultural and youth. So they like, they're like, Oh, I need to do the next big thing, the next interesting thing. And I like, you would never get a weird show like that in, in like a big city where there are other activities to do because people just wouldn't put up with it. You'd just be like, no, I'm not going to do this weird, like 19,000 room club where no one will know that it's me and I will clearly do a bad job. So I think because of the university town and how, how it was probably a student who organized it or somebody fresh out of university who thought I've come up with this really interesting, cool idea where like before they'll get these like really nice intimate shows, but then everyone will hear it. How interesting is that? Very cultural. And then they'll go to this like really great show afterwards. Um, obviously that did not pay off because it's a stupid idea. (laughs) Agreed. I like that one. Yeah. University towns. Yeah. It is a, it is a mashup of this bubble of like you described this, uh, this insanely insular echo chamber of, of kids that once they step outside and London is a perfect example of it. London is like pretty, (laughs) pretty old, old, uh, I don't know, old money, but it's like, it's, it's a progressive bubble in an otherwise kind of regressive town. Yeah. 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 <laughs> when I well <laughs> yeah. Uh, are, you, are you feeling a bit better about that show? Do you feel like definitely was not my fault? There was nothing I could do about it. You know, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I, have never really told that story. So I feel really cathartic about it. Yay. Okay. So we're here for. for. Get it off your chest, but also get it off your chest in a way that doesn't allow it to go back onto your chest because you're like, it was not my fault. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There was very little I could do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That Legion show, on the other hand, that women show. I think even no. I think even we're going to find it hard to blame anyone but you. No, I'm only joking. Well, I'm. Uh, I'll start off by blaming genitalia for fucking with me there. I I had the wrong set of genitals for that show. You did. You yeah. did. Yeah. So I'm going to blame my dick and balls. Uh, 
<laughs> I think that's the first time that a dick and balls has come up as a blame <laughs> on this show, which is unbelievable. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm really glad that finally they've had some shame thrown their way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know what? It would, it would surprise me if dick and balls were dick and balls weren't uh, somehow responsible. Dick and balls. Yeah. The good old dick and balls. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Sounds like two people, like, like yeah. you know, Dick and Balls. They're always out together. Like, no, Dick and Balls don't get one without the other. They're just joined at the <laughs> <laughs> joined at the chode. I don't know if that's the thing. <laughs> so great. So got, yeah, genitals. Yeah, I was thinking along the kind of like I think I would blame the role sport had in the kind of like eighties and nineties, like the way sport and gender kind of came together. Cause I think like, you know, playing soccer in Toronto and <laughs> um, with your little armband and your Mountain Dew, like, yeah, I'm trying to work on the accent. I've been doing the podcast with Rebecca for a while now and I'm, I'm trying to get my Canadian accent down. You nailed it. That was yeah. the opposite of foozled it. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, now I can say soccer and Toronto. So I just need to work that into all of my scenes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm going to blame like the gendered politics of sport um, you know, sending a, sending you out onto that stage with your wristband and your, you know, your, your laddie tails and your dick and balls. Um, you know, because maybe if you hadn't been in that world that kind of, you know, puts, you know, being skillful at one thing with a particular set of, of genitalia, um, then maybe you'd have gone out in front of those women and particularly that woman who shouted bad, bad, bad at you. And you'd have just, you know, you'd have put dick and balls to one side and you'd have just, you know, you'd have had a different, a different show. So I'm going to, I'm going to blame um, the gendered politics of soccer in Toronto. I like that. That's a sophisticated take. Yeah, I did. I did put on a posh voice when I said the gendered, what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> we noticed. We did That's the coolest yeah. ever sounded and the most <laughs> I've ever said. So, yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> um, I'm going to, I'm going to go in, in a bit of an opposite direction and I'm going to blame the patriarchy. So similar, I mean, very, you know, like most things are the patriarchy's fault. I'm going to be honest. Um, because I think that the people that you were speaking to were, you know, from a different generation, mostly from a generation when like women stayed home and like were homemakers and probably didn't play sports and, you know, like did things at home where, and, and they have a really precise view of like what is funny because they are like little homemakers and, and, you know, like they are women and they wear their pearls and they're always dressed up when their husband comes home. And what you said was actually like objectively hilarious and it was actually a really good show, but the audience was wrong because, because of the patriarchal society that they grew up, they just weren't in a position to think that any of your jokes were funny, but it's not your fault because they were funny. It's just the audience was bad. It was a bad audience. So really, yeah. she should have pointed herself and gone, bad. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I hope she's doing that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, she makes an apple pie. She's just pointing herself. <laughs> wow. I love that. This is so, what an exercise. This is so purging to me. To In my mind's, in my mind's eye, in my imagination, just to picture myself pointing at that big crowd of women, especially <laughs> like darkness over the the crowd and then a single spotlight over that one lady oh and, my God, and just yeah. be and go bad bad 
I'm sorry, you're bad. Oh yeah, don't forget the sorry. You must yeah. you keep that. I still have to be sorry. So you do feel the catharsis. You feel like, you know, we've, we've taken these stories away from you. We've taken the blame away. Yeah. This was so wholesome and nice. I'm going to, I don't know. I'm going to go frolic. I feel like frolicking now. <laughs> That's so nice. I love the idea of somebody frolicking off the back of this. That's, that's so nice. Have a lovely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll be responsible about it. I'll frolic up and down my apartment hallway, but <laughs> it'll be a frolic. Um, do you want to say anything else about? Um, before we wrap up, I guess if we're wrapping up, I I just got to say this was a really fun time. I appreciate it. Yay. I I I know I just met you both, but I adore you, ladies. You're great. And this was I I appreciate it. This was such a fun exercise that honestly, uh, I'm not going to steal your brand or anything. But when I'm just hanging with comedians, when eventually when it happens again and we're just hanging out, I'm going to use that blame everybody but yourself exercise just as a as a thing, because I think it's so interesting and fun. Yeah. As long as you I will give results. Yes, foozles. And I will give you both credit for it every time. <laughs> oh, you're That's so all we ask. That's all we ask. Yes, of course. <laughs> and is there, um, where can people follow you? Where, they, where can they see your stuff? Um, you can find me on social media at Alval Comedy for Instagram and Twitter, Alval Comedy. Um, you can add me on Facebook. I'm still a millennial, so I'm still on the Facebook generation. Uh, <laughs> So add me, Alval, but message me first because I don't like complete strangers adding me on Facebook. Uh, whatever. Fuck Facebook. I'm, I'm growing out of it. Just send a forward message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad, yeah. Bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Code word, I'm sorry, bad, bad. Uh, I'm sorry you're bad. And if I don't see that in like the top line, then um, you don't get an ad. Otherwise, if you're in Canada, uh, go on Canada's streaming service, CBC Gem. I'm on New Wave of Stand-Up. I have an episode there. And I will have an episode of uh, the stand-up show with John Doerr coming out next year on Crave TV. So keep an eye out for that. And you're on Charisma Mod, where we can watch Dungeons & Dragons with other comedians, which is on YouTube. Yeah, if you look up, it's it, the channel is called Charisma Mod. I'm pretty sure the show is called Charisma Mod. We have two episodes out already, so you can watch those. And it's uh, bi-weekly on Mondays. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real, a real joy to have you on. Thank you for having me. Sometimes you do something that sits in the pit of your stomach. And when that happens, look yourself in the mirror. Take a deep breath. And remember, we all foozle it sometimes. Sometimes.